Good afternoon, everyone. How are we doing today? I'm um, not going to lie, my microphone was being weird during this whole time, so I'm kind of messing with the audio a little bit, so if this sounds a little wild, um, just just putting it putting it out there for you guys, fair warning. I don't know why it's being stupid, but again, this is, I'm just getting, I'm learning, so um, yeah, we're going to get that figured out, but we got a lot to talk about today. Um, this is the first official episode, um, so we're going to go ahead and get right into it. Um, it was a crazy morning this morning. I got up and got a little workout in, and I kind of got my notes together today for today's episode. Um, I'm I was so tired doing it, so but we was able to knock it out. We was able to knock it out, and today we're gonna go over obviously game seven last night. Um, my finals prediction: um, the Nick Nurse hire for the Sixers, if how we feel about that. And a little bit of off-season look um, for a couple teams this off-season, just kind of to see, go over what they need to, you know what I'm saying, what they need to get better at and um, things like that. We're going to talk about some some DeAndre Hopkins news, um, where he's going to go this off-season or this season. Uh, Scotty Pippen, MJ comments, that's, that's what I've been looking forward to going into. And then we're going to look at some WNBA season reviews so far and what I see coming, going on the rest of the season. Um, and Hot Take Tuesdays, we're going to do that every Tuesday where we have a hot take. Usually I'll have one of my partners with me today, but this is by myself. Y'all can just hear my hot take and um, <laughs> um, take a hot take. I'll explain why and all that. But um, yeah, every Tuesday we're going to have a hot take. Um, so yeah, let's go ahead and get right into it. First off, the Celtics heat game last night. I watched the whole entire game from buzzer to buzzer. The Boston Celtics, man. It look, I had them winning last night. Like a lot of us probably did have them winning um, last night. Um, they are a. <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to explain it. They're very they're very dumb. Let's say it like that. They're very they're not very smart. It's it's hard to watch them play basketball. They make a lot of mistakes. Um, they live and die by the three point shot, and to an extent that can work. But when you're not hitting, what do you what what? What offense are you getting? Jason Tatum went down early with a ankle injury. That kind of that kind of took the air out the gym for the most part. It kind of kind of just set the tone for the rest of the game. And he he finished it out, but you could just tell every time he'd make a cut, every time he'd make a move, he was grimacing. Um, just a couple of notes I have for that first quarter: they shot 26% from the field, 0 for 10 from three, 15 points with four turnovers. Um, in a game seven at home. It's kind of ridiculous, and it's it's kind of like where do you go from here? Um, the Celtics, I mean, how how much better could they get? They kept the same roster pretty much, and they added Malcolm Brogdon, who is a phenomenal player, six man of the year, and you get bounced by the eight seed. Um, shout out Miami Heat. I did not expect them to come out the way they did, but also didn't expect Boston to come out the way they did. And now there's a lot of question marks for Boston on basically what do you do now? Where, where do you go from here? Jalen Brown, he has a big extension coming up, five years, 300 or not 300. I'm I'm tripping. I, is it? I think it's three. It's it's a crazy look. It's five years, 60 million dollar deal, uh, the biggest contract in NBA history. If he signs that, do you extend him? I am not a person to say who should and who shouldn't get their money. That it, like that's not none of my business. Everyone deserves what they deserve. They put their bodies on the line every single day for our entertainment. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not up here saying, "Oh, you don't deserve your money," because obviously you you get you get it. But as an investment like that for a guy who he's been frustrated. We all know that. We all know how frustrated Jalen Brown has been. Um, really, this whole playoffs, he he kind of alludes to him not wanting to be in the shadow of Jason Tatum. Well, how I look at it, last night was your perfect opportunity. Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum goes down with an ankle injury. You are the primary focus on offense. What are you going to do? Eight turnovers. I think it was like three of 19 from the field. Something crazy like that. Eight for 22. Three, three of 19, eight to 22, something like that. It, it, it was ridiculous. That's what you do as the primary. You want to be a primary option. And look, it's one game. I'm not overreacting, but I'm not also giving him a pass like everyone else is doing. Everyone else is saying, oh, well, he's usually not in that type of position, so he didn't. But he talks like he wants to be. He talks like he wants to be in that position. So 
if you're in that position, you got to perform. So game seven, you got no excuse. He's been in the league for what? Seven, eight years? 27 years old? There's no more excuses. You don't get that. Oh, he's still. No. No, bro. It's game seven at home. You got to perform. Um, so, again, if you're the Celtics, do you extend him? I mean, of course, I would, you don't want to lose him for nothing. You know, so you want to get some type of something back. I, 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 I sign him. I shop him. I see what else we could get. If Damian Lillard's on the board, of course. If you can somehow get Joel Embiid to not be bought into Philadelphia, of course. All those things are on the table. But it, it's, it, it, I'll say this. He didn't, he didn't help his case. He didn't help his case of basically getting this money that he wants. Because, again, everyone, who wouldn't want that? No matter how bad you played, no one's going to sit up there and say, well, I don't think I deserved it. So, I mean, he's going to want that money. And it just comes down to, do you make that big of an investment? And ultimately, I think they will. I think they sign him, but I also think they're going to move him. Jay, the, the, the Brown and Tatum, I guess, mission or, or, or test isn't working. You got two ball-dominant guys who don't set pick and rolls for each other to make a mismatch. Because if, let's say they have the two best defenders on them, they run a two-man, they can just switch. They can just switch that. So... You don't have you have again. You'd have two ball dominant guys who can't play off of each other, and so it kind of just comes down to a fact of where you go from here. And it, it's hard as a Celtics fan because there's really nowhere to go. Um, it, there's there's no like you. This was the peak. This was the best roster you guys could have probably put together. You know what I'm saying with cap space and stuff. Like, where do you? What do you do? And now the cap space is going to get worse because now Tatum's a free agent. Or not Tatum. Um, Brown wants an extension. I'm pretty sure Grant Williams is a free agent. Uh, who else is a free agent on that team? I'm Either Derek White is a free agent this year or next year. Uh, Marcus Smart's extension is coming. Like, these guys are going to want their money. And so the, the, the year to capitalize was this year, and they didn't do it. Now, again, you can watch the game last night. I watched the game the whole every again. I watched every minute of the game. The Heat or the the Celtics could not figure out that zone, and that's been something that they couldn't even figure out last year. Now, do you blame that on coaching? Uh, to an ex- look, I don't think it's Joe Missoula's fault um, that they lost, and that's what I mean when I say do you blame it on co- not the not obviously the zone part of it, like. It falls on the coach because it's like you got you got to show them how to get past. You know what I'm saying? You got to figure that out. But the loss, I don't blame it on the coach. Just like I don't blame it on when the Sixers lost. This it wasn't Doc Rivers' fault that James Harden and Embiid played one of the worst game sevens ever. That's not that's not his fault. So when it comes to that aspect of it, and people are blaming Joe Missoula, he's a this is his first year as a head coach. He did what he had to do. Now, could he have made better adjustments? Could he have, you know what I'm saying, stuff like that? Of course. But it's not all on him. He has the best roster on the court or on the team on the, on the in the league. It's not his fault that they shot awful from through that game. You know what I'm saying? So, but, again, it's the mistakes. The Celtics make, like, I'm not surprised these things have happened. I have preached this all season. You can ask any of my teammates. I talk about this all the time. The Celtics have the same mistakes that they did last year. They turn over the ball. They can't beat a zone. And they're like, they're usually like even um, Ime Udoka last year. He didn't make a lot of adjustments when things would go bad. Joe Mazzula did not make a lot of adjustments when things went wrong. And so am I surprised they lost to a eight seed Miami? Yes. But the reasons why, I'm not surprised because, again, this is why they lost to the Warriors last year. And so, the like I said, it comes down to last night was a big night, and they, they didn't do what they're supposed to do. They didn't shine brightest when, when, when they needed to. The way the Miami Heat guarded the Celtics, this zone. Okay, let's, let's go over it right now. The way you can't – okay, when the way you break a zone, you get ball screens in, get to the middle – this that the third most of y'all probably know that the Celtics couldn't get any ball screens because the way that he were guarding they're basically forcing him back into back the other way 
and then the other three guys were kind of just playing rotation, basically. So you couldn't get a ball screen directly onto, you know what I'm saying, whoever the ball handler was. And then when you get it to the middle, I'm sorry, Al Horford is not a very good decision maker offensively. He has struggled this whole playoff shooting, and when he has the ball one-on-one against Bam Adebayo, I mean, we've seen what happened. He don't have, he's, he's what, 36, 37 years old? He don't have that same moxie he used to when he was in 2014-2015. They usually would have Tatum in the high, that, you know what I'm saying, that high area, but he has a bum ankle. He can't move the way he used to. His explosiveness and power wasn't there. And so what do you rely on? You're shooting threes. If you're struggling for shooting threes, there's no way you can win that game, especially if you're not getting a zone type of offense to break whatever they're doing. Now, the Miami Heat side, I'm going to give them credit because, again, they played very well. Caleb Martin, 19, or what was it? I think it was like 28, 26, something. I, I, I missed his stats on that, but he shot six for nine from threes. Cra- crazy stats. Jimmy Butler played great. I had Caleb Martin as my um, conference finals MVP. That's my opinion. Look, Jimmy Butler is obviously he he they rely on him more. He's more you know he has more of a role. He has to create. He has to score. He has to rebound. He's he's obvious like you know what I'm saying he's obviously their best player. But he was very inconsistent. Caleb Martin was more consistent than he was in this series. And if I go by stats, Caleb Martin 19 points per game, 60 percent shooting, 48 percent from three, 49 percent from three actually. Six six point four assists per game or rebounds per game. Jimmy Butler twenty four or twenty four points per game, forty two percent from shooting, seven rebounds, six assists. But Caleb Martin, he was the more consistent player in this series. In Game Six, he was the one keeping them afloat whenever um, Butler was struggling in the first half. Now he came on during the second half, obviously, but that first half, Caleb Martin was the reason they were winning that game. So when it comes to who the better player is, obviously who I obviously it's Jimmy Butler. It's not even close. But when it comes to this series, who was the MVP, the most valuable player, in my opinion, was Caleb Martin. So that was who I had as my MVP for this conference finals. So finals. Denver, Miami. Um I have after last night showed me a lot about Miami. I have Denver in six, but I'm not writing off Miami. Um, they have the best coach in the NBA and Eric Spolstra, who has been the best coach in the NBA for a while. And I've been saying that. And you can ask any of my friends and family that know I've been saying Eric Spolstra is the best coach in the NBA for a very long time. He takes these undrafted guys, these these second round pick players and, and brings the best out of them. And that's what I think in the NBA coaching is 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 what's it need, what you need coaching for. Let's take LeBron and Darvin Ham. LeBron probably knows 10,000 times more than what Darvin Ham knows. And, you know what I'm saying, schemes and stuff like that. But Darvin Ham is there to bring the best out of those young guys and to coach those young guys up and those guys who aren't, you know, LeBron and Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum and all those guys. And so I think that's why that's why that's what makes you a great coach in the NBA is if you're able to get those guys who, you know, are undrafted, second-round players who are kind of role guys and can get the best out of them. That's what – and Eric Spolstra has done that for probably the last five years They getting these nobodies to play the best and be one of the better players on the court. And so because of his coaching and his – and his – then that all that side of it, I don't – I'm not ruling the heat out. But, the, but Denver, man, it, it, they're, they're just so much better and bigger than Miami. It's not even funny. Jokic is the best player in the league. It's not even close. And they have this arguably, look, I have Jamal Murray as the second best playoff player this so far in these playoffs. And he he's proving that every single day. You try to double Jokic, they're going to shoot, hit threes. If you try, Lakers tried everything in the book. They had the Anthony, like they tried everything. And there's no, there's no way you can stop Jokic. He's either killing you on the boards or he's going to be scoring the ball or he's passing. And if he's doing all three, then you definitely don't have a chance. Like I said, this is one of the best teams I've seen in a long time, um, just scheme-wise, player-wise. Like, they they have every, everything you throw at them, they have an answer to in some type of way. I haven't seen no one stop the Jamal Murray-Nikola Jokic two-man game yet. At first, they the Lakers kind of stunted it by putting LeBron – on Jamal Murray and then putting AD on Jokic and they would just switch that. But then eventually Jokic just started setting UCLA screens. And if you don't know what those are, 
basically just put Jokic on the lane line and have Aaron Gordon or someone come set a back screen on that lane line so he can go dump down UCLA screens. A lot of teams have run it before, and that's usually what the Nuggets start doing once you kind of contain that two-man game in a way is that they would run that. And so every time they would do that, Jokic would either have a running start towards the rim or he'd have a mismatch, one or the other. And off of that, off of him running down the lane line, Aaron Gordon, if they go and double team that, Aaron Gordon would dive. And that's what they did a lot during game four. They did that a lot during the beginning, like the beginning of the game. And so just the schemes they run have are just, it, it's, it's, it's hard to play with that, especially with Jokic doing what he's doing. And it, it's, it's hard to overcome that. And so I have the Nuggets in six. But if, like I said, I'm not counting out the Heat. They've they've proven themselves that they can play with anybody in this in in, in the playoffs, and so I'm not going to count them out. And I'm very I'm I'm ready I'm ready to watch this series. I'm ready to see the adjust. That's the most that's the most like fun part of watching the NBA is the chess match, the 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 different adjustments that teams make. When it helps me get smarter um, in the game, and kind of helps me you know see what to do when you know what i'm saying stuff like that it helps not only me but it's also just cool to see oh okay they did that let's see what they do to respond and then when you see that it's like oh crap okay let's see you know what i'm saying so it, it i just love that part of the nba and you're gonna hear me a lot talk about different schemes and defenses because again it helps me it helps my iq of the game just get better by seeing all these types of different schemes run every single playoff game and to offer of that we're going to go into the offseason and what teams need to do this offseason. We already talked about the Celtics. already said them. The big one is the Los Angeles Lakers. What do they do? What do they do with the pieces they have? Um, not a lot of people are going to like this, but I'm going to say it. They don't need Kyrie Irving. They don't need Trey Young. They need to get a solid roster like they did when they won in the bubble. They need to get a solid big man like a Brooke Lopez or someone like that, and make AD run the four because that's his natural position. When was his best season this whole year playing with the Lakers? Or when was his best season all his career playing with the Lakers? The year he played the four, he averaged like 28 and like 10 and like six or five or something crazy. That bubble year, you need to find a big that can make him not have to play the five all the time. You need to find two solid guards who can play defense or basically two ways and can also score in a Danny Green and an Avery Bradley. The Lakers are Lakers fans are desperate to get that third star. You don't need a third star. You just need solid role guys that can play with LeBron. Make LeBron be the initiator. We try to get these the Lakers are trying to get point guards who can initiate the offense and take the load off of LeBron and it like he can't not play off the ball. He's a he's probably a better playmaker than these point guards that you guys are wanting them to get and so if i'm the lakers i i i find me a solid big again like a brook lopez or or just a guy who who can again make ad not have to play the 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 four because ad thrives in that four man spot where he don't have to have his back back to the paint he can roam outside he can get the mid range like he can do all that and i'll get two solid one and two, who are two ways, who can knock down an open three when they need to. Go back to what you did when you won a ring. I don't know why they're trying to get a third star. You don't need a third star. LeBron and AD are good enough to win without having a third or a third fiddle. You feel me? And again, I don't even think Kyrie's gonna go to the Lakers. He's gonna go where the money's right. And if he wants to go to, the, if he, the only way he can get to LA is if he takes a pay cut. And we all know Kyrie Irving is not taking a pay cut. That's the only reason he blew up the situation in Brooklyn. And Trey, do you really want Trey Young on your team? Look, I'm this ain't a bash of Trey Young, but he can't play defense and he's a ball dominant guard. He can play off ball by shooting threes and stuff, but you're gonna have to give up a lot to get him. You're gonna have to give up Rui Hachimura, Jared Vanderbilt. You're a lot of solid solid bench pieces you're gonna have to give up to get him. So I don't I don't think he's worth it to that extent to basically blow up your whole team to get someone who I get he's young, he'll match up. Him and AD's timelines can match up once Braun is done, but Again, you're going to have to blow up your whole team, and it's not worth it. You already did that with Westbrook, and look what happened. So next, that takes me to my lovely Cleveland Cavaliers. If y'all don't know, I'm a Cleveland fan. Um, I've been a Cleveland fan since I was born, 2003. Um, a lot of it has to do with LeBron, but I didn't leave when LeBron left. Now, I supported him from a distance, you know, Miami, but 
I'm not. I, I no. I'm a Cleveland fan. We have a lot of decisions to make this offseason. One, who is our three next year? Because it cannot be Karis LeVert. Karis LeVert, I love him like the next person, but he just makes a lot of bad decisions as well, especially when he starts hitting. It's kind of a hit. It's kind of a. It's kind of a, a gift and a curse when he is playing good because when he's playing good, he starts taking dumb shots like he is the 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 primary option on our team and he's not. But the biggest thing we need is a bench. We need a bench, and a lot of Cavs fans, including myself, overreacted to Jared Allen um, and how bad he played because he was a shell of himself, and we can all agree to that. But he said it himself, the lights were too bright. And I thank him for admitting to that because, I mean, first off, he didn't have to say that. We could all tell. Like, we could tell, brother, like, this was this was too big for you. But it's their first year. It's their first year together, um, all, all four of them. I mean, him, Garland, Mobley, and Allen. Like, what did we, we – I didn't expect to win a ring. Now, did I want to? Was I going around saying we were going to win a ring? Yes, of course. That's my team. I'm supposed to root for them. But did I truly? No, I did not expect us to. I expected us to lose to the Bucks in the second round. Now, a, 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 a five-game loss, a game five loss to the Knicks at home was very disappointing. That 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 rubbed me the wrong way. And then again, man, what can you do? Like the Knicks played very good. Jalen Brunson established that he's a star in this league, and that the the Mavericks really missed out on him. He's got to tip your hat to that man because they played they played great, and you can't do nothing about it. And so, yeah, I think we need to um, figure out who our three is going to be for next year. I, I loved Isaac Okoro. Um, he was struggling in the playoff shooting-wise, but how hard he was playing, like, we had, I, I wanted to leave him out there. We need a bench. We need a bench. We need a solid backup big. Um, we need a basically a solid backup anything. Ricky Rubio, unfortunately, he tore his ACL. He was not what he was last year, unfortunately. Um, Dean Wade, he needs to get in the gym because if he's not hitting threes, then what is he doing out there? I, I couldn't tell you. And again, we, like I said, it's the first year. I'm not overreacting. I was at first. I was like, man, we suck. But it's the first year we're all together. We're all still under 28 years old. And so it's, it's going to be a big off. It's going to be a big off season, obviously, but there's not a lot we can even really do, um, because of our cap space. Especially when with Evan Mobley's contract coming up, um, he's going to want an extension, obviously, which he he fully deserves. He was second in deep point, only his second year, and so he fully deserves that. So I give this experiment with Allen and Mobley, I think, one more year, maybe two, depending on how we do this next season, because I didn't expect this to work. Um, you got two bigs who can't shoot the ball, who can't spread the floor. Evan Mobley can shoot it a little bit, but Jared Allen is just like a non-factor three-point range-wise. And so, and so, how you figure that out, I don't know. You can try. Look, like I said, these NBA coaches are smart. They are qualified for their job. That's why, again, I love watching the NBA to see and to learn the type of different schemes and and different type of sets you can run with different groups of people. And so they're going to figure it out. And again, it's going to be a big off season. It's going to be a big coming, like upcoming season, to see what we do next year. And I'm very interested to to, to watch that. The off season I wanted to talk about um, is the Golden State Warriors because if y'all haven't seen today, they just lost their GM. Um, LeBron fans, including myself, we could say that LeBron ended the dynasty. Um, I'm not going to go be that ridiculous, but it, it, it's just it's kind of funny to me how everyone is wanting to leave as soon as LeBron beats them. But where do the Warriors go from here? Um, a lot of people flipped on Jordan Poole this year after he, like, it was a bad, it was a bad series. It was a bad, he, look, he was probably feeling himself. He just had a good playoff run last year. He just got his, got his bag and he struggled. He struggled from the, he can't guard. He wasn't hitting like he used to. And so it, it's, like I said, it was a bad, it was a bad bad year for him but i'm not jumping off the cliff off you know what i'm saying for him yet you know another thing is do you rely on clay as much as you do because clay is not it's obviously not the player he used to be coming off of two knee surgeries like it's hard to do that and you're getting older he's not the same defender um he struggled shooting and so do you rely on him as your second fiddle going forward behind steph i don't i don't know but what it really comes down to is what Draymond is going to do um, this offseason. 
I think with this GM leaving, um, it's it, it comes a lot more murkier because this new GM that comes in, he may not tolerate Draymond like the other GM did, if that makes sense. His antics off the court and even on the court, like he may not tolerate that, and so he may not extend Draymond. He may not want to, and that's a very realistic thing that Warrior fans need to know. It's just the Warriors are getting old, man. The Warriors are getting old. I think Curry's going on 35, 36, something like that. It, it, this was going to happen eventually, and, and unfortunately for Golden State fans, it's happening now, and they don't know how to react because they've been so dominant for the last decade, basically. <laughs> As someone who has been through multiple rebuilds and has seen multiple stars come and leave their, their, their teams, um, welcome to reality. It sucks, but... Every every team goes through it, man. Every team to eventually goes through it, and y'all are about to y'all are gonna start going through it. Yeah. I don't see the Warriors making it back to the finals, especially with how good the West is getting. Um, and it's it's just a thing where again they don't they haven't been in this situation, so they don't know how to feel. And it's it's funny to see to an extent, but then I also understand, and I wish I was part of that because that just means y'all have had success for this long. And all I can hold on to is the 2016 NBA Finals that it was the greatest comeback ever. But, yeah, let's just say that it is starting to get old because it happened almost a decade ago. It's not like it was recent, but I, I talked about it like it was recent. Don't don't get it twisted. So the next topic I'm going to get into is the Nick Nurse hire for the 76ers, um, how I feel about that. Honestly, it's a great hire. Nick Nurse has proven himself. He has championship pedigree. Um, but I really think this is just an opportunity for him. He wanted to just coach Joel Embiid, which who wouldn't want to? I'm going to say this, and, and this may be disagreed, but I think Nick Nurse, he came into a lucky situation when he won his ring. LeBron just left the East, and Kawhi Leonard fell into your lap. Um, now, like I said, he beat the Warriors. Like, he deserved it. I'm not taking nothing away. But, like, he, he his ring kind of was gift wrapped to him in a way in my opinion that's I've always felt but he's a great coach so don't get me wrong he's a top 10 coach in the league he knows what he's doing um he makes adjustments especially defensively and so I feel like I feel like the focus for the Sixers though needs to be Tyrese Maxey um I don't think they need to bring Harden back Harden is obviously just wanting his money he don't care about winning championships anymore and even if he like what did he do this series to make you want to bring him back? He had a good game one, but then, and then I think like a good game five maybe, or something like that. But other than that, what did he do to say, oh my gosh, we want you, we want to pay you this extension that you're wanting? And again, ultimately, I think that takes away from the development of Tyrese Maxey. We seen Tyrese Maxey play well whenever Embiid wasn't playing, and so if you have both Embiid and Harden out there with Tyrese Maxey, I think it takes away from his development. What are we going to do with Tobias Harris? Um, his contract is ridiculous for what he does. And, I mean, look, he's a solid player, but is he worth the 30 mil, 35 mil that he's getting? Do you look to move him for a Chris Middleton or, let's say, you know what I'm saying, another solid guy that can do exactly what he's doing and is a little less money? Well, I ain't going to lie. Chris Milton, I think he makes a little bit more money than him, so I don't know why I said him. But, you know, say a player like that in some type of way. I can't think of a player off the top of my head that makes less money that um, does what Tobias Harris can do and probably better. But look for a player like that. Look, the Sixers need to capitalize. First off, Embiid is legit injury prone. He There has not been one playoff series in his prime that he has been able to play because he has gotten injured every single series ever he's ever played in his career and even he's going to get impatient these NBA players get impatient when their franchise ain't making moves and their franchise ain't making you know I'm saying the team around him better they get they get restless and they want to leave Jimmy Butler might pitch to him hey come to Miami they're they're great friends I wouldn't rule that out and so the Sixers need to capitalize off this now before they lose him for good but the question was is the Nick Nurse hire a great hire? And I say yes, because he will get the best out of your players. Um, I think he'll really help um, the development of Tyrese Maxey like he helped develop Siakam and Fred Van Fleet. And, yeah, it it's a great hire in that aspect. But, again, I really think he just wants to coach Embiid. Like, who wouldn't want to do that? Like, like that's what I see. 
he took that offer for. And we're going to see how it goes. It's going to be a big offseason because for the Sixers, they can't just let Harden walk off. But they're not wanting to give him that full extension that he's wanting. Which I'm not going to lie, it's kind of soft. Harden is wanting to leave after he was, if y'all seen, he was a sole reason why um, Doc Rivers got fired. So the fact that you got their head coach fired and then you're leaving, like that's that's weak. That's weak. And um, it's just it, like Harden, what, like what, what, what does it take for you to, to get over that hump, man? You had Kyrie. You had Kevin Durant. Unfortunately, they had injury issues. But then you got moved to play with arguably one of the best centers or one yes the best center probably in this decade him and Jokic and you still can't get it done what like what else do you need what else does it take for you to get over that hump and now he's wanting to go back to Houston like it just shows that he's not trying to win he just wants his money and he wants to be somewhere where he's comfortable being number one option but then that takes away from Jalen Green's development James Harden's a very ball dominant player. You're taking the ball out of Jalen Green's hands, which he said on Paul Pierce's or Paul George's podcast. Like he he questions like that's going to hurt my development. But I mean, it is what it is. He's going to obviously welcome the idea, but it, it slows his development. It don't let him be that guy that the Houston Rockets are investing in for the future. Obviously, but that's my thoughts on that. Um, like I said, it's it's, it's really just going to come down to who the Sixers get off this off season to see. Um, if this Nick Nurse experiment is going to work. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing that. But next, we're going to talk about some football for a little bit, man, and D-Hop, what he's going to do. Um, I am a Seattle Seahawks fan, for the ones who don't know. Um, and I would obviously love him with Seattle, but we have DK. We got Tyler Lockett. We got um, JSN. Like, we don't need him. So when I see D-Hop going, um, I like – the the Cowboys, um, I don't like it in a way of him being on the team because that means they'll be better, and I cannot stand the Cowboys. Um, but in the aspect of fit, I like the Cowboys. They have a quarterback who he said he wants a quarterback who loves the game. Dak Prescott, I don't know any other quarterback who loves him more than him. He wants a guy. He wants to be in a organization where the front office is solid. And I mean, it's it's the Dallas Cowboys. Like, what front office is more solid than that? And he can really return to that primary primary receiver role. Um, we've seen CD. CD's a great receiver, but I don't think he's good enough to be a number one option yet. And D-Hop can be that number one option. And CD is a really good two-second option, which he'd probably be the best second option in the NFL, if I am not mistaken. The Ravens would be another good. I like the Ravens because um, that gives Lamar an actual receiving threat. I mean – Odell is there, but come on, it's D-Hop and Odell. Like, what are we even comparing? The Bills would be another great one. Um, that just makes them ridiculous. They got Stefan Diggs and D-Hop on the same team with Gabe Davis and um, lesser tight end Kevin Knox. That's, I mean, what else could you ask for? And so all three of those teams are, are great. I've seen the Patriots. Why would the Patriots do that? Like, they're not in a position to win. And, I mean, it kind of will help Mac Jones's development, but I think they're giving up on Mac Jones. I think this is Mac Jones last year as a starting quarterback. I've seen the Jets on there, which, again, the Jets, I mean, again, it makes them better. But do they need him? I don't think so. They have Garrett Wilson, Alan Lazard, um, Randall Cobb. I'm pretty sure they have um, – I don't think Moore is there. I think Moore went to the Cardinals. But if he's still there, then they have – like, that's that's your receiving core right there. Why would you add another body to that? But this also shows that the Cardinals are in full tank mode. They are trying to get that boy, Caleb Williams. I fully expect Kyler Murray to get traded after this year. Um, even if he does come back and is able to play this season, why would you play him and risk another injury or risk him looking bad and just hurting his trade stock? They lost Buda Baker. Um, Isaiah Simmons ain't turning out to be the, the DB we thought he was coming out to be in college. Um, it's 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 a trash fire over in, in Arizona right now, and like I said, they're just cleaning house, waiting to get a, a guy who play in my opinion plays just like Patrick Mahomes and Caleb Williams, which I wish never left OU, and it still hurts me to this day to know that he's not an OU, but it is what it is, man. It is what it is. I will say, whatever team D Hop goes to, that team has no excuse to 
not put themselves in the Super Bowl, whether it's the Bills, the Cowboys, even the Eagles, which I I mean, the Eagles could be an option. I don't think that would work either because, again, they have, a record, they have a receiving core and they're adding to it. Why would you, you know, mess up that chemistry? Cowboys are going to mess it up somehow. Cowboys always mess stuff up. They, it's, look, they hold on to their rings that they won in 1846 when World War II was still going on. Like, it's, so they're going to mess this up. Like, it, it's it's bound to happen, and I can't wait to see it happen if he does go to the Cowboys. Look, I love CD. I, I wish him nothing but the best. But, um, sorry, you're, sorry that your fans mess it up for you, man, because the Cowboy fans really, I'm not even an Eagles fan. My, my my stepfather, he is a diehard Eagles fan, and I hate them probably as much as he does. And it's not because you know he he hates them because they're in the same division. I can't I hate them just because of the fans. The fans like actually like like drive me insane. They could have me out there playing quarterback and still think they're going to win the Super Bowl, and knowing for sure they're not going they're not going to. There's like, and again I guess you're supposed to do that, but I know when we had. Freaking Daniel Gibson is our point guard in Cleveland. I wasn't going around the streets saying the Cavs are going to win the finals. But, like I said, it's going to be interesting to see where D-Hop goes. I think wherever he goes, he's going to reassert himself as one of the best, at least top five receivers in the league because it kind of it kind of went down this last, where he was hurt. So, But it kind of went down this last season. Like I said, we'll have more NFL um, once there's like more things going on. Um, but for right now, that's kind of all I had for football-wise. We're going to speak on the MJ, Scottie Pippen news, and really more the Scottie Pippen comments he made on MJ. Now, if y'all don't know, um, you probably know LeBron. I have him as my GOAT. Um, we're going to have a different episode, more comments about that later on. But that's that's who I have as my GOAT, man. Um, I have MJ as a second. And it's really 1A, 1B. If you say MJ is better, I'm not going to be mad at you, but that's who I have as my GOAT and if you have MJ as your GOAT there's no issue with that like it's really just them two and then everyone else in my opinion Scottie Pippen man um saying MJ is a horrible was a horrible player before he got there now a lot of MJ fans took that out of context and was like oh he said MJ is a horrible player if you would have watched the whole thing he obviously said before he got there he was a horrible player now is he the first person to ever say that no, he's not the first person to ever say that. Do I agree with what he said? To an extent, to an extent, no. But I, I see, look, I, I got the stats here. I did some research. Before MJ was with Scotty, he averaged 24 points per game on six rebounds and four assists, shooting 44.8% from the field goal range, or he shot 21 shots and usually made about nine of those. Um, on the on the box score, that's not going to look very good. But forty four percent, basically forty five, because it was forty four point eight. You can't round, you can't. I'll round it up. You can't argue forty five percent from the field. And look, people are going to say that. Oh, you didn't grow up in that era. You don't know. All the old heads are going to say that. Um, I, I have eyes. I have a phone. I have. I do research. If you don't know, a lot of my arguments, I back it up with stats. I'm a stat fanatic. I love all that. So. I have the stats to back it up, and MJ, he, from what I've seen and from what former teammates of him have seen or have said, he was a very selfish player. He didn't know how to play team basketball. Now, he was the only person on Chicago, so, I mean, who wouldn't do that? But he, Scotty's not the only person to have said that ever, you know what I'm saying? I believe Scotty's a little bit bitter. I think so. But like it, it's hard to hear that, and it's like, okay, well, he's not the only person who has said that before because there's been multiple people who have said MJ was a very selfish player when he was by himself. And while we're on the topic, I'm going to go ahead and state the reasons why I have LeBron better than MJ. Um, people want to bring up rings because that's the only thing MJ fans can hold on to. I have LeBron as my GOAT because he can do everything MJ can do and it's 6'8", 270, to what, to, well, he's way bigger than MJ, that sums it up, and MJ's great, it's not bad being the second best player of all time to ever touch a basketball, it's not bad to be that, but I look at the, the body of work LeBron has done, all-time scoring leader, 
which uh, he played 20 years. I mean, he's been dominant all 20 years. There hasn't been one fall off, or what's the word I'm looking for? What's the word when you when washed? There hasn't been one washed year. So, I mean, you can't really, it's not like he's just been putting up bad numbers. He's still putting up the same numbers he was with Miami at 40 years old, basically. And so when you look at the body of work LeBron has done, and, and again, just doing, he can do everything Jordan can do. Now, Jordan probably can play better defense than him. Um, and But, like, let's not act like LeBron can't play defense. He was a multiple-time all-defensive player when he was with Miami. And another thing that that makes no sense is how we pick and choose what to get on LeBron about, but we don't get on about it with Jordan. Nobody talks about Jordan's years with the Wizards at all. I don't hear no one speak about it. But when LeBron gets swept against the number one seed as a seven seed, we we hold that against him. LeBron at this point can't add nothing to it. He can't get nothing took away from his legacy. He's only adding on to it. But we still criticize him for being a 38-year-old, had to go out there and have 40 points in a closeout game to keep his season alive. But we don't talk about what happened with Jordan when he was with the Wizards. And so that's my only issue with these Jordan-LeBron arguments is that we pick and choose what to get on LeBron about, but we don't get on the same thing with Jordan. LeBron, oh, he got saved by Kyrie. What about all the time Steve Kerr hit hit the shot for Jordan to save him? But we don't talk about that. The narrative isn't that. It's the narrative is, oh, LeBron saved them. What did LeBron do five, games five, six, and seven to get them in that position? What did LeBron do in game five when Kyrie didn't play good on the road in Golden State? He had 41, 11, I think eight. But we don't talk about that. We we only talk about, oh, Kyrie hit the shot when we don't talk about who got them in that position. I've said this multiple times, and I'll continue to say it. The way I was taught, Jordan played six years and won six championships and never lost. What about those those years he got swept? Oh, he was young. Oh, okay, got you. It's always a reason why something happened. And I'm not a LeBron, like, all over LeBron. Like, he played all – I've criticized LeBron multiple times. There's been multiple times this season – on my NBA, on when we was in the locker room, when I've criticized LeBron and I was called a, a LeBron hater, so it's not me just defending LeBron 24/7. He played awful in the Mavericks. He shouldn't have. He only I think it was like 17 points. That's unacceptable. Like there, there's been times when like LeBron has made mistakes, but at the end of the day, when I, I when I would who I would rather have, I would rather have the guy who can legit do everything that Jordan can do. And is a lot bigger, and and than Jordan. That's how I can sum it up. And there's always this narrative with LeBron when he when late game situations. Let's say he passes the ball to a guy who is a better shooter than him, who is wide open, who is capable of hitting that shot, and he and they miss. It's oh man, LeBron should have took the shot. But then when he takes the shot and he misses, it's oh he should have passed it. It's never good enough. It's never good enough for nobody, and it makes no sense to me. But this is another debate for another day. I'm not going to get into it a lot because I'm going to have this debate probably a bunch of more times on here with Jordan fans and with LeBron fans. But that's kind of my two cents into into that little debate there. But we're going to um, wrap this up with a WNBA look into the season this year. Because um, I, I watch WNBA. I have been for a couple years now. I'm an Atlanta Dream fan. Shout out Shoni Schimmel, um, Native American. She used to play for them, and that's kind of how I got into it, um, like being a fan of theirs. Um, I'm actually I, – I was a Haley Jones fan throughout college um, up at Stanford, and now she's at Atlanta. Um, she's only played, like, I think, like 10 minutes each game, and she hasn't scored. But, I mean, she's a rookie. Like, I'm not – you know what I'm saying? I'm not tripping. I just hope she gets her opportunity because, again, I've seen her at Stanford, and she – I know she can play, so it's going to be interesting to see if that translates to the WNBA. Aces, man. Um, if you don't watch WNBA, um, you probably don't know that Candace Parker actually signed with the Aces. And, again, if you don't watch it, it's kind of like when Kevin Durant signed with the Warriors um, back in 2016, 2017, whenever that was. Um, and, <laughs> unfortunately, that's who I have as my champion. I'm a, I, Look, I don't have no issues with them. I, I, Kelsey Plum, Asia Wilson, like, they're all great. But, like, I don't know. It's kind of like Candace is kind of just ring chasing at this point. Um, 
And it's kind of like, like I said, I feel the same way I did when KD signed with the Warriors. Like, bro, you're going to join the best team in the league? Like, like what? Come on, man. I actually enjoy watching the um, New York Liberty. I'm a, I am like watching them a lot. Um, I'm a big Sabrina Inescu fan, one, because she was close with Kobe. And, and unfortunately, the tragedy that happened with Kobe had a big effect on me because I've never seen that type of big figure for the sport that I love um, lose their life. You know what I'm saying? So that was a big effect on me. Um, and it's cool to see someone that close to Kobe playing, you know what I'm saying, the WNBA and stuff. So I'm a big Sabrina Nescu fan. Um, Brianna, or Brianna Stewart just signed with the New York Liberty. So I like their team. They got John Quilt, like John Quilt Jones, like they're, they're a great team. But no one is messed, like no one is beating the Aces, in my opinion. The Sun have a chance. Maybe the Mystics with Natasha Cloud and um, Deladon. Maybe Chicago Sky is always going to be good. Mercury, you know, um, Diane Taurasi is getting old, <laughs> old. But, um, I mean, they got Brittany Grind. Like, there's going to be teams that can compete. But at the end of the day, like, it's the Aces championship to lose. It's the championship to lose. And I hope Candace Parker feels good after this championship. Um, I mean, like I said, I look at it like KD when he signed with the Warriors. It's kind of like, bro, you don't join the best team in the league. But what do I know? Like I said, it, that's that's how I feel about that. It's going to be an interesting season. Um, Rookie-wise, I think either – I don't know because Diamond is really good. But I, I'm probably going to take uh, Aaliyah Boston. Yeah, 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 Aaliyah Boston. I'm probably going to take her as my rookie. Um, MVP, Asia Wilson, obviously. She's the best player in the league. I got her as my depoy as well. Um, but keep your eye on Brianna Stewart. Keep your eye on Brianna Stewart. Um like I said, she's her game reminds me of Kevin Durant. When I think of basketball players that play like her, or you know, what I'm saying I compare it to her, I compare her to Kevin Durant in the NBA. You know, I, I was I just seen this. It's gonna be real interesting to see the Sabrina Inescu and Kelsey Plum debates and going forward because I think Sabrina's better in my opinion. I think Sabrina she's a better shooter. She can um, create off the ball better. She's a better scorer, but. Kelsey Plum has been so good for, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's kind of like you can't rule her out and for the best guard in the league. But that's why I have Sabrina better than Kelsey. Kelsey is a better three-point shooter. Um, she led the league in three-point shots, uh, three-point percentage, I think, either last year or the year before, whenever she, before she got hurt, whenever she got hurt. And I think that's why they are starting to put Sabrina over hers because they forgot about how good she was before she got hurt. Um, so, like I said, it's going to be real interesting to see um, what that is like. But, um, yeah, it, it's only been like four games right now, so I kind of don't know what to think of teams. I know that Atlanta Dream ain't doing nothing. They need, they need to get it figured out. But, I mean, what can you do? You don't have a lot of talent on that roster. So, but it's only been four games. I don't really have a big, I guess, report on it right now because it's early. So, but once that happens more, I'll have a better report and better um, standing of where teams are at right now. But like I said, Aces, Aces championship to lose at this point. And so we're going to wrap it up here with my hot take, hot take Tuesday. Usually I'll have a partner with me um, to give their hot take and we'll discuss them. But today it's obviously only me. Um, and this ain't really a hot take for some people. But I know I had to defend my life um, in the locker rooms this this season with this take. And so it's something that I wanted to talk about on here. Um, my hot take for today, again, it may not be a hot take for a bunch of y'all, but Kyrie Irving is no longer a top five point guard in the league. <laughs> I know it sounds wild. It's like, duh. But I had to defend this, man. I had, I'll never forget, I had to defend myself. I had Steph, Luca, Shea, De'Aaron Fox. And I think it was Trey in my top five point guards in the league. And I got absolutely murdered. Oh, my gosh. You don't think Kyrie's a bad – I'll take Kyrie over any of those guys. He can – he's way more ba- – they were looking at it as a one-on-one game. It's not one-on-one. It's five-on-five. Five. And also, I would rather have the guy who's going to show up every day. And no, no disrespect to Kyrie. Do your thing, man. But I want the people who's going to show up every single day. De'Aaron Fox showed in this playoffs that he is a top five point guard in this league. Like, he has shown. Um, Steph Curry, you know, duh. Luka Doncic, duh. Future MVP. 
Um, and that was another thing I had with Kyrie, because they compared Kyrie to Luka. Has Kyrie ever been in the MVP conversation in his career ever? Never. Luka has been in the conversation multiple times. He's only, what, been in his like league for, like, what, four, five years, something like that? Trey Young and Kyrie's a toss-up. Um, but, I, again, I'd rather have Trey Young. Um, they're both defensive liabilities. Let's not act like Kyrie plays any better defense than, Kyrie, than Trey because they both can't play defense. But, again, I'd much rather have the guy who I know is going to show up every day and not cause issues. And Trey Young, if you guys didn't see, first off, Trey Young has not fallen off. Let's 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 not act like that. He's shown in these playoffs that he's still that guy. He's still a top five point guard in this league. And like people overreacted this year to him, but again, he showed us that he is still that guy. And then SGA, man, like it, it it's it's fun it's fun watching SGA because it's he has a very unorthodox game that it's fun to watch and it's like how do you not stop that? His step backs, his pullbacks, like, is very unorthodox. His shot is unorthodox, but for some reason, he's given these men buckets. And it, it's it's fun to watch. He can guard. He can guard one through four. Actually, that's not right. He probably can guard one through three. But he can guard. And, again, it's kind of just like, what can't he do out there? And so that's why I, I, I have Kyrie as my – I have Kyrie at, like, maybe six, seven around that area. But top five point guard in the league? No, no, he's not. He's not that anymore. Um, and and maybe because if he would show up to work, I might put him up there. But like I said, I I'm not. Look, he can do his social issues. I understand that he, what he's doing it for. But if I'm a GM, if I'm a coach, I want guys who can go out there and show up every day. And he don't show up every day. And those other guys show up every day and can do. Everything he can do, one-on-one game, obviously not. He's a very—he's probably the most skilled basketball player we've ever seen, skill-wise. But this ain't a one-on-one game; it's five-on-five, and I'd rather have those other guys over him. But that about does it for today. Um, yeah, I'd, like I said, we're gonna have a lot more topics tomorrow. We're gonna have actually my teammate Kalise be on here tomorrow. He's gonna be our guest on here every Wednesday. Um, so expect him, expect me to be with someone else tomorrow. And um, yeah, guys, that's 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 gonna wrap up the fifth quarter today, man. Uh, I hope y'all enjoyed. Like I said, we're getting better with this. I had some audio issues today, so there's gonna be a couple random spikes um, of my voice in this because for some reason, like my audio little thing is like just messing up. Like it 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 took me like an hour and a half to get it to even start playing the sound back when I would record. So you're gonna hear a lot of audio spikes. You know what I'm saying? But like I said, bear with me. I'm I'm still learning how to fix this stuff and still set it up. So, but yeah, man, y'all have a blessed night. Um, blessed, yeah, blessed night, blessed afternoon. Whenever you watch this, and um, I'll see y'all tomorrow. And yeah, we out.